Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello there, Chris Evans here. Welcome to another star-studded edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio coming up. And it's been a great week, I have to say. The incredible Andrew Garfield talking about his multi-award-nominated Netflix film Tick, Tick, Boom, which he himself has been nominated for Best Actor. Pub Landlord Al Murray discussing his massive UK tour. The Pub Landlord is back with his gig for victory. The one, the only, Russell Brand shares all about his latest UK live tour and brilliant podcast, Football is Nice. Plus comedy legend Steve Coogan talking about returning as Alan Partridge in a brand new arena tour. It's called Stratagem with Partridge. Starting in April, all of that and so much more to come. So Dapper Dave, who's first? Really good week this week. Stay tuned if you can. He may be famous for his spidey sense, but ours is tingling and we're sensing an Oscar. His Academy Award bothering smash hit movie Tick, Tick, Boom is available on Netflix right now. So now, for your consideration, please welcome the always awesome Andrew Garfield. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Chris. Oh. Wait, you could be Johnny Big Potatoes. No, Charlie Big Potatoes. Oh, sorry, sorry. That's okay. If yeah, yeah, Johnny, yeah. Johnny, Nobody wants to be Johnny Big Potato. That is the most lovely introduction I have received all morning and maybe uh, for the last five years of my life. Thank you so much for having me. I wish I could be there with you. Yeah, I wish you could be here because every time you come in the studio, you light up the studio, you have an amazing aura, you have a lovely spirit about you. Uh, we often talk about books we're reading off the air. We talk about uh, various other things we're up to but we must talk about your job today specifically congratulations on the oscar nomination thank you mate thank you yeah it's a it's very lovely it's very odd and i'm very proud of this film and i'm so happy that it's connected with you in this way well you know we we were sort of accidentally um uh, pretty early on the bus as far as this was concerned i think i think they the young people refer to such situations as being an early adopter uh, for people who haven't got the first clue what we're talking about mind you that's probably not anybody that's to the show because i tell everybody to watch this film every five minutes and have been doing for the last two months uh would you like to frame it for us and then we'll talk about how come you got involved in it yeah of course um thank you for the support of it and i i god i i love it too it's so it's a film called tick tick boom and it's a film about a man who is a real person his name is jonathan larson and he's famous most famous for writing a musical called rent which kind of revolutionized musical theater he was the first person to bring his passion and love for rock music with his other passion and love, which was musical theater together and kind of changed the whole face of this medium. And everyone thought he was insane. And he did it at the age of 35. Um, and like, like anyone who's trying to change the world, people rejected it and he was a big failure all of his life until the first preview of Rent, which, you know, as we know now, kind of created this whole new wave of rock musicals. And also he was writing about things and singing about things and making music about things that were uh, humanistic. You know, it was in the, it was in the 90s and it was the, the AIDS epidemic was was happening and it was affecting all of his friends in such a kind of visceral and terrible way. And he wanted to change, you know, he wanted to change the consciousness of people and he wanted to save, literally save the lives of of his friends. And so this musical Tick, Tick, Boom was the was the, the musical that he wrote just before Rent. And it was basically a kind of a precursor to Rent. And it's about his failure as a, as a writer, his failure as an artist and him having to get up and write the next one anyway. And his fear of turning 30, his fear of dying young, his fear of running out of time, him, him knowing that he has so many songs to sing, he has so much love to bring to the world and his, his terror that he's not going to be able to do it in time and his terror of losing his friends to the AIDS epidemic his terror of losing his girlfriend. It's, it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole life in, in, within these, these, this very intense two week period of Jonathan Larson's life. It's an amazing story. It is he's an amazing story. And the way it, the way it hangs together, the fact that you, you know, your character, Jonathan, who's a real person, who's just illustrated for us so beautifully, you know, the fact that he is, he, this musical is ongoing throughout the film, this tick, tick, boom musical is ongoing. And then the rest of the film happens whilst that's going on. And it's beautiful. 
you know, talk about Spider-Man and parallel universes. You've got a, pretty much um, them all going on as far as this is concerned. But of course, Andrew Garfield should never have played a bit part in a musical uh, theatrical cinematic production, uh, let alone the lead role, because according to Andrew Garfield himself, he can't sing. What happened there, Andrew? I, I was, I don't know. There was, I woke up one morning and I was in a Lin-Manuel Miranda musical about Jonathan Larson. And, and, and then, you know, well, here's what happened, actually. The reason why I'm nominated for an Oscar is because I have a really good friend who lied on my behalf to Lin-Manuel Miranda. That is the direct line. And I love this. I love that this is the story because me and Lin, we share a, a mutual friend who's a massage therapist in New York City called Greg Miele. He's one of my best friends in the world. And he works in all the Broadway dancers and, and singers. And, um, you know, he, he's, a, he's a miracle worker. Um, and one day Lin's on his um, massage table and Greg says, and Lynn says to Greg, hey, you're friends with Andrew. Do you know if he can sing? I have a, I have a project I want to talk to him about. And Greg immediately, being the, the great friend that he is, just lied through his teeth, having no idea if I could sing or not, and said, yes, he is he is the greatest singer since sliced bread. He, he will revolution. He will change everything. And then and Lynn leaves the room and 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 Greg immediately calls me and gets and says, hey, hey, buddy, can you sing? Because you have to be able to sing now. And if you can't, then I'm, I'm my reputation is on the line. So I so I had a year and I and I really kind of, yeah, I just kind of worked with an amazing singing teacher in New York. And her name is Liz Kaplan. And I, I just kind of work. I just put the hours in and 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 just kind of hit and hope and kind of close my eyes and and I didn't get I didn't get fired and then we made the movie and now here we are. It's it's really that. Well, we've all seen it and we you know, again, you know, we thought, Oh, here's another annoying actor who really wanted to be a singer as a kid and couldn't hack it as a singer, and not because they were no good, just because it didn't work for them or didn't happen for them, so they became an actor. And here's what he always really wanted to do, but that was not the case. It's unbelievable, Andrew. Oh, thanks, man. That really I mean, I, I'm so I do feel very, very lucky that I got to to, to, to work on that skill and, and learn, I always wanted to learn piano as well. So I learned piano for this and, oh man, I'm just, I just feel so lucky. And to do it in service of Jonathan, the, the, you know, him and his music. And, and for, for people who don't know, you know, he, he, he dies at the age of 35 of a, of an aortic aneurysm of a kind of heart attack um, on the eve of the first preview of Rent off Broadway. So he never got to see the success of, you know, his work. And it's just kind of this remarkable thing where, you know, I, I got to, you know, put all of my energy towards serving him and serving his life and, and you know, his, you know, what what he left the world. So it was it was just a beautiful thing all around. Well, thank God you and your pals who made this film exist. It is absolutely awesome. Just before you go, uh, what are you doing for fits and giggles nowadays away from your job? Yeah, it's a lovely, a lovely question. I, I'm I'm being with friends as much as I remember the beginning of the pandemic and we were shooting this in New York. And I was alone in New York for the first four months of the pandemic, just kind of Zooming with everyone and Skyping and all that. And I remember that feeling every night I would go for a walk under the under the moon in the West Village and, and kind of just kind of feel that isolation that I think we all felt so much. And simultaneously, especially in New York City in like a post 9-11 New York where, every, where that city bands together in such a kind of beautiful way to, to, to help each other and to make sure each other are safe. I, I got a real sense of that, that that sense of kind of, oh, if I if I misbehave, I'm misbehaving and, it, and it's going to affect you. So I think, you know, w what my main focus now for, for Fits and Giggles is to be with as many decent people as possible in the, in the safest ways. But so, you know, I, I, I'm being with I'm with, with my friends and with my goddaughter and with my family as much as possible. And, and we are we are we're breaking bread often. And, and that's really, really lovely. All right, man. Great to talk to you. You too, Chris. You're the best. Always. Thank you. Cheers, man. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Whether it's a cool glass of white wine, a crisp pint of lager, or a belly full of laughs, our next guest always delivers. His brand new UK tour gig for victory kicks off next week, and he's coming to a town near you. So it's time, gentlemen, please, for the pub landlord, <laughs> the one and only Al Murray. Al Murray. Except, of course, Al, you're not the pub I'm landlord. I'm not the pub landlord, not this time of the morning. I know. <laughs> That's it's the last thing you want how in life. Is, how is he? Oh, he's fine. Um, uh, he had his hair cut last week <laughs> in, in anticipation of touring again. <laughs> and, uh, no, he's in, he's in good spirits. He's lived on... 
you know, crisps and nuts past a sell-by date for two years, but he's, he's all right. Right, yeah. good. So we had um, we had Steve Coogan on day yeah. before yesterday. I can't remember this week's flown by. And, um, and you know, obviously he's bringing Alan Partridge yep. back for an arena tour, you know. And then we were talking about Alan, uh, you know, and how he is a, a, a man out of, not only out of time, but out literally out of this world. He says things, there's no filter. Yeah. It's very David Brent-esque. And I was thinking for Comet Relief, David Brent meets uh, Alan Partridge, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? Uh, it you know, would, and then yeah. you, and then you could put Larry David in there because they're all. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying they're similar because they they do things far cleverer than I could even like dream about, let alone write down. But they do. They they are. They have a they a common trait, you know. And you have spent a lot of your life playing somebody else. Yeah. Um, what is it like to do that for a living? Um. I well, I really like it because it means it means I don't. I, you, you you immediately start from somewhere different to where you would if you were yourself. If I had to do me, yes. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't know where to begin. I I couldn't be because I'm very rude when I'm the public to people. I couldn't be rude like that. It's, it's, I've I've not got that in me. So you you know you like put him on like a like a sort of costume. Yeah yeah yeah. And uh, and it, I find it sets me free a bit. I would like to see it. It'd be like the travelling Wilburys. You know if you if you had. <laughs> Pub landlord and uh, Alan Partridge, you know, and Larry David. But Larry David is Larry David. But yeah. again, Al Murray is Al Murray, isn't he? So there's yeah. a thing going on there. And then you had David Brent in the mix. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Would that, well, work? Yeah. Would that work? Well, I don't know. I don't know if anyone would. We'd all be. We'd all be vying to get a word in, wouldn't we? That would be the problem. Oh, yeah, but in the writing, it would all be. Lovely, wouldn't it? I'm, sh- I'm sure we'd all have a wonderful time. Right, Chris. so, so he's so <laughs> <laughs> publandlord.com is where you need to go for tickets. Gigs yes. for victory. Gigs for victory, because we're back. We're back, baby. <laughs> a year last, this time last year, I thought this was it. I thought I was finished. <laughs> I thought I'm 52 and it's over. You've yeah. had a good run. I've celebrity MasterChef. <laughs> exactly. You've had a good run, Murray. Yeah. Okay, it's Celebrity MasterChef on Zoom for the rest of your life. Right. And uh, but here we are. You know. Um, I mean, this is amazing being in a room with other people. No. Uh, but from one extreme to the other. I mean, what a tour. Yeah. You know, the whole of Feb, whole of March, April, May. It is. Yeah. A, this is a massive tour. Yeah. It's like uh, you're approaching 100 dates here. Yeah. It's something. Like, I think it's. I think it's 90 dates or something. But basically, um, uh, I found during the pandemic that I, my family and I we really love each other right and we've <laughs> no, you so, well, exactly but, but I think a lot of people you know March two years ago we sort of entered this unknown zone where it turned out it turns out that we do all really love each other we do all get on terribly well but also I need to leave the house and show off um, and they need you to leave the house and they, as well. Uh, yes, of course. And it's, it's exactly. Yeah. They need me to leave the house. You're like a lone rolling stone that yeah. needs to go on tour for at least most of his life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, because I, right at the start of this, I thought, okay, I thought, okay, um, you, you're a grown up now. You've, you've, you've had a good run. You don't need, you don't need the laughter. You're a complete person, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, wrong. And, exactly. So I did some. A friend of mine did a, put some gigs on in a pub garden in, in the first summer when we were allowed out. Yeah. And he said, "Come down." I went down, and I was sky high for the weekend, off just doing half an hour of people laughing at my jokes. And I had to say to myself, "You do need it." You are you are a broken husk without the laughter of strangers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know. And here we are. That's why. That's why the tour's so big. Because I can't do it. Also, I can't do anything else, Chris. You can. Actually. I have no other you skills. You can do lots of other things. So we'll go on to those <laughs> in a moment or two. Uh, but again, Steve was talking about because uh, you know his this your tour is pretty impressive. But he's he's arena he's yeah, an arena yeah, guy, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. like Peter Cake kind yeah. of thing going yeah. on. And um, I was saying so so because he starts next month. Yeah. So I says, is it you know is it is it is it fully baked or is it is it oven ready? You know, yeah, like yeah, like yeah, the yeah. deal. Do you remember yeah, the oven yeah, ready yeah, deal? The oven ready deal. deal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, where are you with yours? Because yours is in about a minute. But these things tend to be in flux right up until the death. Well, I improvise about half the show. So anyway, um, anyway, but I've got the new hour core, the new core of the stuff written. Yeah. And if, and and I've finished I've written the song to end the show with. So I know Excellent. I know, this, I know Excellent. And the song's called Nothing Rhymes with Covid. So it's like a protest song but nothing rhymes with Covid. So that that the, the that's, what, <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem with Covid. Nothing rhymes with it. But basically if you know you're going to end a show yeah. I always think you work you you, you work your way uh, back to the beginning, but yeah, I've about half of it's in, about half of it's improvised, Good. and I plug everyone into into the stories I tell as I go. Got it. All right, thepublandlord.com. Yeah. Um, out on tour. I mean, you can't miss him, really, can you? No. You you don't you won't have to travel far because well, at some point he'll thing. be near you. Whenever won't you? you put a tour on sale, someone on social media pops up, and goes, "Why aren't you coming to where I live?" And I think, well, we we are. <laughs> I'm afraid we are. <laughs> you, we've got the whole country in our crosshairs for this. You really are. And do you do? It, when you put a tour like this together, 
like, I've never asked anybody this before. Do you do it? Is it a geographical thing? <laughs> is that, or do you, can, can you sort of bounce around like we a pinball? Used to have, we used to have a, uh, we, we call it, there used to be a producer I had, the woman who, the agent used to put this, her name was Emma Brunges, and we came up with a thing called bungee jumping. Which, oh, which basically, if, because she had us going from Aberdeen to Nottingham once. Yes. Hello, Emma. And then, uh, hello, Emma. <laughs> and then, and then back to Edinburgh or something. And you think, why are you doing this to me? Why, why are you Aberdeen making me... Aberdeen to Nottingham sounds like a dodgy football transfer in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's not planned geographically at all. And, and, and some of it ends up quite ridiculous. The worst ever was Carlisle to Brighton. Why? What, who, I, well, what? I don't know, because they were trying to break me. Yeah. You know. Or get fired. Yeah, well, yeah, but I'm, or I'm, one I'm not the firing kind. No, I know, but they were just trying to just finding out, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> and you were right and they were wrong. <laughs> oh, great to see you, man. Oh, it's, it's amazing to be in a room with human beings, isn't it? Well, uh, I, I hope you're in uh, theatres all over the country with many human beings. Well, I, I can't wait. OK, pal. Gig for Victory UK Tour. Tickets available now at thepublandlord.com. And that was our Murray. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. You all know our next guest, because quite frankly, who doesn't? He's back on the road with the live show, Russell Brand 33. He's dropping podcasts left, right and centre and taking over with his YouTube channel. Five million subscribers can't be wrong. It's the comedy oracle you all know and love. It's Russell Brand! All right, Russell! Hello, Chris. That was a, a wonderful introduction. Thank yeah, you so much. Thank I you. mean, we, did we overpromise or did he, did he deliver? No, that was a wonderful delivery. I think if it had not been in some way, if the introduction hadn't been introduced, I think I would have commented, by Jove, you know, it would have hit me. That was impressive. Thank you. Thank uh, well, you. talking of impressive, well done. What a sound effort this week to get you on um, because you're celebrating 5 million subscribers to your YouTube channel. I'm very happy with that, Chris. It's lovely to do something that I feel connected to, where I feel I can tell the truth as best as I understand it and to know that it's appreciated. Yeah, I'm really grateful. Well, you say you're very happy. Listen to how happy he was a couple of days ago. As you know, this is the greatest and most reliable news channel in the world. And today we've got some particularly important news. Hello, you five million glorious miracles. Damn you. Thank you for joining us. What an operation it's been. What a journey it's been. But it's not just me that I I provide the majority of the talent. All these people have worked so hard to build this channel. What an operation. What a group of fantastic young people. But really, where would we be without this? The true star of the show, the Log Store. Thank you all. Thank you for joining us on this journey to truth. Thank you. Let's get to 10 million. Glory be, glory be to truth. Stay free. Right, that's, that's a, a video. We've posted a video on our Instagram page at virginradio.co.uk. You can see it on YouTube anyway. I mean, your team, I didn't realise you had such a big and youthful team. They look gorgeous. They're so vibrant. I know. And young and connected. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for remarking on them. I'm really very pleased with it, Chris. It's lovely to be able to do something like that, to talk about some quite complex issues and to walk the line. Yeah virtuously. Yeah, because you've done it before. I mean, you did it with the trees, but this seems to have landed um, more fully formed. Obviously, everything's a journey, you know, and it's a learning curve. Uh, but five million um, subscribers as of Tuesday. I remember in September and October, it was like three and a half, four, four and a half December. I mean, you know, it's, it's only a question of time before it gets to 10 million. Has it reached a tipping point or several tipping points or do you think there's one to come, do you think? I, I don't know, Chris. I feel like that... Be- People often talk about the way that information is conveyed and I think people have a great appetite for authenticity and integrity. This is a time that's recognised of a great deal of division and confusion and no one can claim to have direct access or even unique access to truth. But I think people recognise when people are being themselves. So I feel that over the course of the pandemic with the amount of confusion and concern uh, with I think an awareness that there's a lot of political fracture and political disingenuity with the ongoing power of commerce I think people are grateful for things that feel very direct and accessible that would be that would be my best guess at it and there's a lightness of touch as well about it you know it reminded me of uh, Charlie Chaplin and the Great Dictator you know when you can get things over with humour even really serious things you know potentially as serious as things can get you know there's always a laugh in there as well isn't there almost always 
I think it's vital that the more serious a subject you're discussing, the more access to levity is required. We're dealing with a lot of hard stuff. It's an unusual time. Have you noticed like that even today when people are talking about the wind, it's kind of got it's accessing the pre-existing anxiety and fear of the last couple of years. It's already being mobilized. People are very like, well, should we go out? Wind? I'm not suggesting that it's right to go out or not right to go out. I'm just saying I sense that even phenomena that we would have been more accustomed to is now sort of rebooted with a different type of anxiety. Perhaps there's something changing, Chris. Something's changing in the way people see the world or the way they, that we see ourselves. And I don't think it, it doesn't have to be negative, although sometimes it seems that it's predetermined that it will be. I think it's possible that it can become quite an optimistic time of change. Yeah, and you always say that, oh, you don't always say it, but you say it a lot at the end of your videos, you know, th- th- this is what I think, but well, what do you think? You know, and you get so many comments back, don't you? People really sort of engage. I've been wrong so many times in my life <laughs> that I've learned to recognise that right. as the fundamental principle that I might be wrong about this. Right. I could be wrong. It's possible <laughs> that I'm wrong. I do not have direct access. I make so many mistakes. Uh, Russell, I, I think I think we're done. I mean, what else would you like to get out there? I, I could talk to you all day. Obviously. Well, thank you so much, firstly, for being uh, so accommodating and kind to me, bringing me in here and allowing me to use a very nice bathroom on the way in. And thank you for that lovely announcement that uh, Dave did there. And thank you, both of you as well, uh, for being here so beautifully flanking the room <laughs> and been so, so wonderfully present I feel very grateful to you for letting me come because we've been on a bit of a like a sort of a parallel journey and I look to you and I admire you very much Chris for what you've done and like of course I remember our time together at uh, uh, that other radio station we worked at that <laughs> together and apart yes yes <laughs> together and apart and so I'm very glad that you've um, trusted me on live radio and brought me on oh, here forever, for this conversation man. forever I remember we did a little Q&A at TV Centre when you were doing Big Brother's Little Brother. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. That was fantastic because, you know, the whole thing about Big Brother is often there are music and culture shows, you know, there were always music and culture shows from the 60s all the way up until TFI Friday. And Big Brother was the noughties culture show, but it was minus music and it was the first sort of non-music signature show of a decade. Oh, wow. Do you know what I mean by that? Because that sort of took over. So so you had Ready, Steady, Go in the 60s and then you had the old Grey Whistle Test and Top of the Pops, of course. Then you had the Tube and you had the White Room. And what you was had it the in the word, 90s? The I don't remember what that no, would I, have been. What that have well, been? if you remember, you weren't there. <laughs> that's the whole thing. Mm. Um, but I mean, I know we, we're going to wrap up now, but from a, from a sort of tentpole tipping point point of view, you know, there was Bugsy Malone and I'm sure Big Brother was there, you know, and then you went and became this big movie star over in, in Hollywood. How many how many of those sort of peaks have there been, do you think? It seems like there's been quite a lot of them and many of them are a little bit giddying and frightening. It's strange to like the I reckon, I don't know, like four or five. Getting on the telly was really, really exciting yeah. when it first happened. Big as you Brother was know. just game changer, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I really, really I couldn't believe it was actually happening. That was on the telly every night and it was live and I felt so sort of fulfilled and it felt so sort of easy and fun and I felt so validated and it was exciting. And it and was, fitted you well that suit, I thought. Yeah, I was really at ease in that. I really enjoyed it. I couldn't believe I was allowed to just muck around like that. It was pretty terrific and then like because of the show when I met Gareth was he produ- who I do football is nice with he was producing a show on MTV that I'd done Leicester Square were all big the Hollywood stars didn't know that MTV in England no one cares about right they didn't know that so they would so let don't, like don't big, tell them don't tell them no, no this is important <laughs> this you better come on there's only about 100 people watching and we had like Tom Cruise on and all these people and Adam Sandler came on it and that's how I got into being in films because no he put way. me in yeah Adam Sandler put me in his film Bedtime Stories then his agent put me in like I, like, I met Judd Apatow and done them Sarah Marshall and all them films as a result of that and that was pretty amazing and of course you know, got married to Katy Perry over there I mean it just was like an extraordinary mad fairy tale really And but for me what has and not that those times were most wonderful in their own way uh, but like this life though the life of being married to Laura and having like children and like cats, uh, all those cats oh yeah it's nice 11. man so many cats I'm probably going to get a couple more cats on the way home I think we're quite near Batsy Dog's home catch a couple I'll grab a few on the way. I'll fill that car up with cats. Hang those the talk of less. There's a window coming. Get the cats in the car. Right, we're going to wrap up. Russell, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It's great. Great to see you again. Cheers, really Chris. great to see you. Great to talk to you. Russellbrand.com is where you need to go for You don't need to, but where you can go for everything, Russell, including his UK tour. It's ongoing. He's basically playing somewhere near you in the next three months. Uh, lots of dates sold out. Some tickets available for some still. Russellbrand.com, and that's where you go to for football is nice and under the skin uh, and above the noise and his YouTube channel which is
reaches 5 million subscribers and counting youtube.com slash Russell Brand. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He's the man behind more classic comedy characters than you can shake a stick at. And he's taking the jewel in the crown on tour once more. Stratagem with Alan Partridge hits the road from April. And here to tell us more is the puppet master behind the masterful Partridge. It's Steve Coogan! Morning, Steve! Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. How are you today? I'm very bright and breezy and bushy tailed and all that lot. Okay, it's it's so zoomy your audio. Can you get a bit near or do something about oh, yes. it? Yes, no, I can. How, how, how's that? It's still awful, but it doesn't matter. We'll go for it. It's you. I, how's that? Is that okay? It's getting better all the time. Whatever you're doing now, do more of it. Okay. Uh, all right, Steve. So so great to hear that Alan Partridge is going on this UK tour, an arena tour, alanpartridgelive.com. So we know where he's going because I've got the dates here. Remind us where he came from all those years ago. Oh, golly. Uh, well, in reality or fiction, in reality, he came from working with Patrick Marvin and Armando Iannucci on a show called The Day Today and Knowing Me, Knowing You and in the 90s. He's basically from the 90s and he's still here um <laughs> but he's uh yeah and, and from uh but he but he is the fictional part of he's from norwich he's a local radio dj that had a moment in the sun and then it all went terrible for him and now he's sort of back on he's back on tv and he's not doing badly for, for one of those washed up middle-aged uh radio djs <laughs> any names. um it, it's uh he's uh, he's doing all he's doing okay <laughs> I, I was ready for the discomfort so i pre-prepared myself for all this steve um but so so you're around the writer's table back in the 90s uh, you know so, so but so the seed of that you know from the because his backstory is really interesting and you know he, he, he says here he's so well read and you know he but a, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing and all that kind of stuff and he has all these hours to fill on the air or these flying hours. So what what do you know about him that we don't, for example, that helps you to sort of create his next chapter? Well, I mean, look, Chris, he, he's a bit like me, and that's no great secret. I mean, I, I like to think I'm a more refined, nuanced, uh, open-minded version of Alan Partridge. But uh, he's sort of, the, the secret to Alan really is, it's all the things that we, we, we think sometimes. Rational people have, you know, we think things and we normally, we pause before we say something yeah. and make sure we're not going to say something that's going to upset or offend someone. Uh, Alan doesn't really have that filter. And so it's sort of the things I think. And I just sort of, I just say, I just say the stuff I would normally filter and edit uh, in normal conversation. I sort of, and, and let Alan sort of, Give Alan verbal diarrhoea. Let him say what he likes. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's very Curb. Of course, Alan was around a long time before Curb Your Enthusiasm and Larry David's um, recreation of himself, an exaggeration of himself. And and if the direction the 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 uh, direction of travel goes the opposite way from non-filtering, you can then exaggerate and magnify that even more. Yes, you can. I mean, look, the thing about Alan is he said he can say things that I can't say. And I don't actually mean, but you know, this, and if people laugh at him because he's inappropriate and says stuff, you know, and this tour will be talking about all those thorny topics that, that are full of uh, 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 cow pats that people can stand in, especially white middle-aged men, you know, uh, anything about sort of uh, basically identity politics, transgender issues, all those things, you know, uh, BIPOC, BAME, uh, you know, all the, all, the, all the issues that we have to be really careful about these days. Alan drives a, tro- a sort of a Mack truck through. All right, uh, let's just have a listen to him thinking about what might happen on this arena tour. What is the United Kingdom? It's warm beer and cold hands. It's the clacking of bowling balls, the peal of church bells, a clap for a nurse, a help for a hero, the jingle jangle of two modest dancers shaking hands. Or it used to be. I want to build a bridge. For while we don't always agree... What really binds us as a nation is when we, all of us, together, can't stand something. Like speed bumps or anything changing. So if you don't like anything changing or speed bumps, come and see my new stage show. It's me, Alan Partridge, live. (laughs) Steve, we've played that five times now, and it gets funnier and funnier every single time. And that's the thing with Partridge. Now, you have had an on-off love affair with your own creation. Tell us about that roller coaster. 
Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I did, he, he got very popular very quickly in the 90s. And I sort of like, um, and then, it's you know, sometimes when you do something once, you become a victim of your own success. And that sort of happened with me a bit until I sort of found my feet in other areas. And in actual fact, you know, there was a point where I was thinking, oh, I've got, it's an albatross around my neck. But, now, but since I've been lucky enough, fortunate enough to work on other things like films that I've written and, and uh, more serious stuff, I now, I now sort of, I'm really, he's like a sort of a, um, He's like an annoying friend, and I've sort of come to terms with him now. So I can do my other stuff, and I love coming back to visit Alan. You know, uh, when when I start to, when I start to miss him. And what about this? Looking at these dates here, so in May, for example, tour starts in April, but in May, Tuesday the third, Wednesday the fourth, Thursday the fifth, Friday the sixth, Saturday the seventh, Sunday the eighth, Monday the ninth. I mean, they're back to back. How is that for you? You have to be, well, I mean, I've done it, I'm getting older now, but, you know, you've got to be fit and, uh, you know, and, and focused and uh, go to the gym and, you know, eat, eat food. You have to look after yourself, make sure you're in shape for it. But, you know, it's like a burst of energy. I mean, it's not dissimilar to what you do. In the more, you, know, you, you have to be focused for this intense period of time and then you can step off. So it, it's hard, but it's also exhilarating. Yeah. All right, so listen, we've heard a little bit about what Alan uh, may be referring to. Bumps in the road, change. So if you don't like change like me, um, uh, come and enjoy the lack of change that is uh, my new strategy Marina show. Give us a couple more highlights and, and then we, we'll part company. Um, well, uh, Alan, will be do- Alan will be piloting his new quiz show on stage. <laughs> uh, Alan will be talking to, uh, to talking to himself as a child. Right. Uh, Alan, um, using the magic of theatre, Alan will go back in time and chat to himself wow. as an 11-year-old boy. Wow. Uh, and uh, it basically, he rips off Christmas Carol, but you're not supposed to know that. Um, and he'll go back in, and then talk to himself in the future as an old man. And uh, using the technology on the stage, but when he talks to himself as as a, as a young schoolboy, um, that will be played by a female dancer. It sounds cleverer than clever can be. Congratulations, Steve! I know it's going to be awesome. Can't wait to go and see it. Thank you very much. Awesome, Steve Coogan, strategy with Alan Partridge. Tickets available now. AlanPartridgeLive.com. Literally, literally, get them while you can. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. All right, so we've heard from a bunch of sensational guests already, but still to come, the wonderful Tom O'Dell joins us live from his tour bus in Ireland at the start of his Monsters UK tour. No-nonsense authors Emma Hazlitt and Gabby Griffith guide us through their new book, Big Fat Negative, The Essential Guide to Infertility, but it comes with a massive mascara warning and knocked everyone who heard it live on the radio for six, so please do enjoy that. Plus, former Scottish Troy leader Ruth Davidson tells us all about her brand-new show on Times Radio Friday. Friday afternoons, one till four. There's so much going on. Let's get right back to it. Dapper Dave, who is next? He can tinkle the ivories like no other, and finally you get to see him do it live in the flesh. He's touring the UK right now, and you'd be a fool to miss him. So please join us as we say wham, bam, thank you, piano man, and welcome the one and only Tom O'Dell. Good morning, Tom. <laughs> How are you doing, Chris? I'm very How well. You so you're touring the UK and the island of Ireland right now. Belfast last night, Dublin tonight. How's it going, my friend? I'm literally driving through the Irish countryside oh. on a tour bus as we speak. Oh. Uh, and it's so good to be back. It's so good to be back in Ireland. so good to be back on tour. Uh, and thank you for having me on the radio this morning. You are more than welcome. There. You're always welcome, pal. Tom O'Dell, The Monsters Tour. Tickets available now, tomodell.com. What are we looking at here? So we're looking at Ireland, um, uh, Northern Ireland last night, Ireland tonight, Dublin Olympia Theatre, Southampton on Friday. This Friday, come on, Southampton, at the O2 Guildhall, Saturday the 19th of February, Bristol Academy um, in Bristol, Sunday, Manchester, Tuesday next week, Oxford, Thursday, London. Now, listen, Listen, uh, my family are away um, next week uh, for the Thursday bit of the week. So, Tom, I, can, I, can you get me in? I'm getting you in. Oh, that's so amazing. I'm so pleased you can come. <laughs> I'm definitely coming. It's a skill life, but I don't care. Uh, Thursday, 24th <laughs> of Feb, uh, London O2 Academy, Brixton. What a venue, by the way. Saturday, uh, 26th of Feb, Liverpool, then Cardiff and Leeds, Newcastle, Glasgow, Nottingham, Cambridge and Birmingham. A few tickets left for some of those gigs, um, but you can hear um, how amazing Tom is. Um, how does it feel to be back? How is your audience, how is your particular crowd post-COVID, do you think? Oh, it's crazy. Like, last night, 
it, was just, it, took, it took me off guard. It's the first time I properly stood on stage like that in two years. And the same as same for the band, the same for the crew. And uh, I stood on stage and I wasn't quite sure what to expect. And I was really nervous actually. But as soon as the, you know, as soon as the song started, we were away and it was amazing. But yeah, it's such a thrill. God, it makes you realise what you've missed. Yeah, makes I, you realize what you've I love the, the way you frame it there. You're so humble. You know, you just said you just said you won't realize you said this, but you just said Tom Adele, as soon as the song started, you're the guy who starts the song for heaven's sake. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's very kind of you, but it's um, I don't know, it's it's great. It's great to be back on tour. It's great to be back on the road, yeah. and it's great to be back doing my job again. And 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 I feel like there's a lot of pent up. Uh, emotions and songs that uh, they're there to be sung at the, the tip of my fingertips. So, um, yeah, I, I can't wait. So, yeah, come, come. There's, a, there's, there's, there's just a few hundred tickets left on the whole tour, which is incredible. And, um, and we're just absolutely blown away by the response last night as well. It's just incredible. Yeah, no, this is great. And it's all over social. People are loving it. TomAdell.com. I mean, you will not have a more profound moving experience than watching Tom um, play live in front of you. And I bet you're, like you're alluding to it there, your fingertips on the keyboard will never have been more feverish in anticipation, probably in your life, than they are on these first few dates. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. They're quivering. <laughs> well, they quiver anyway, don't they? Because you, you do. And I, I, I'm always worried for your fingers and your notes, but it all seems to go pretty well, I have to say. Pretty darn well. I'm so glad we're yeah. talking to you the morning after the first night of the tour. I think it's like the perfect morning to talk to you um, because it's so sort of, you know, because we're, we're sort of, you know, you're waking up, um, you know, you're reflecting on, on your first proper day back in a good couple of years. Uh, fourth album in. Are you writing on the bus as well? Uh, I've, well, I've, you know what? I've, I've, I've written. I've, I've done. I've got a little. I've got something in in store very soon uh, for the world. Uh, I was very busy between September and December. Right. Um, so there's, there's some more music on the way. Right. Good. Um, so yeah, but no, it's, it's so good to be back, and it's so it's, it's it's so good to be sharing music with people. That's why we all got into it. Is to is to is to um, you know sing with each other and, and yeah. play and realize that and it's been you know being locked away it's been it's been so hard i think for musicians less so for me like because i'm fortunate but but for all of us it's just i don't know music is just so good cures everything anything it don't cure it's so important you're right music is what feelings sound like of course and music is where it comes from where feelings um, uh, live and breathe so the band are back uh, I know that they're so keen uh, if you're sitting on the fence you know about uh, as far as returning to any live sort of event or situation is concerned you know now is the time my friends as long as it's safe to do so get out there whether you see Tom or anybody else This, you know again winter is softening into spring and Covid is hopefully soft into whatever happens next and hopefully it'll be everything bigger, better, stronger, uh, wiser than before. We're, we're um, currently being confronted by Storm Dudley over here on the mainland, Tom. What's the weather like from uh, on the way from Belfast to Dublin? Well, my, my dad is quite into the weather. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've met your dad. <laughs> and he, he uh, I spoke to him yesterday right. about this storm. We're meant to be getting the ferry back after the show. Okay. Uh, after Dublin tonight, and uh, I think it's going to be like 90 mile per hour wind. It is. No, it really <laughs> yeah. is. You've got to be careful out there. So I don't make it to Southampton. You know it's by me. Yeah. <laughs> how, how apt that you're going to land in Southampton, hopefully, anyway. Uh, Tom, listen, lots of love to the band. It's great to hear from you. I'm so happy that last night went so well for you. I really am thrilled. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I really appreciate it. Send my love to your family and all your team. Will do, pal. Really appreciate it. Stay in touch. We're always yeah. here for you. You know that. Okay, so you can go see Tom Adele. It's a, it's a brief, but it's going to be a brilliant tour. How many dates? Three, uh, six, nine, 12, 15, 16, 17. Uh, one of them and two already down by uh, this time tomorrow morning. So uh, on Friday, Southampton, um, the O2 Guildhall, Bristol O2 Academy, Bristol. And it goes on to Manchester, Oxford, London, Liverpool towards the end of Feb, Cardiff, Leeds, 1st of March, and then early March, Newcastle, Glasgow, not 
Nottingham, Cambridge, Corn Exchange, Birmingham Edge Academy. Once again, tickets tomadel.com. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Gracing us with their presence and their wonder this morning, it's our friends uh, down the corridor, Simon, Robottom and Tim Brown and Rob and Lewis and Nick and they are the Boo Radleys and here they are with their 1992 single from their album Giant Steps, Lazarus. All right, over here. Oh, hello, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to stalk through yeah, there. Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, stalk through there. I'll, I'll talk from here, but I won't stalk through there. Morning, gentlemen. Morning. How are you? We're very well, thank How you. How does it feel? It's brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah, okay, a lot of fun. Cool. Okay, so we've got Simon and Tim and Rob and Lewis and uh, Nick there, trumpet and keys. How important has the trumpet been in the life of the Boo Radleys? I know, right? It's weird, isn't it? It was a very sort of off-the-wall thing that we started in about 1991 and it's right. stuck with us ever since. Uh, was Nick trumpeting in 1991? God, no. I don't think... Were you born in 1991? <laughs> uh, right, so Si, uh, the chronology no. of the Boo Radleys, together, apart and together again. Yeah. Tell us, t- take us through it. 1988, was it? Uh, well, we started... Well, I mean, long way. Me and Tim went to school together and Martin, who was in the band, went to school together and we, we were sort of, you know, we, we, we kind of did the whole band thing, Britpop thing, and then split up. And 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 because kind of splitting up was what you did in those days. Yeah, I split up with myself. That was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I didn't the, have a band to split up the with. The divided self. Yeah, oh yeah. my goodness me. So, um, and then and then really we all went off and got different lives. Tim became a teacher. I became a psychologist. It was kind of like we just had different lives, raised kids. And and we just, you know, this wouldn't have happened without technology because um, me and Tim sort of met each other few years ago just before covid and we started sending each other files and doing things over the internet because we're all spread out so geographically right that, um, that it wouldn't have been possible otherwise because we've all still got you know these other these other careers and stuff so um but this is absolutely brilliant you know we came back decided we'd do it we decided to do it make sure it was a lot of fun and yeah it's been brilliant well you always had such an energetic youthful uh, sound back back then because we were all much younger for a start <laughs> for a reason. but the new album i listened to it last night and it still has that is going that... on how have you how have you kept well, that or recaptured it i think it's to do with our love of pop music i mean that that's the weird thing because even though you know a lot of bands were kind of more about rock i suppose during the 90s but we just always love pop you know i grew up i'm huge huge george michael fan and Human League and just that pop thing was really, really big. So I think a lot of it's to do with that, that pop sensibility rather than the kind of rock thing. Yeah, as well as topping the charts yourselves in the 90s, which was fantastic and all the success and the tours and things like this uh, and all the album success, what was the best thing that you got to do with regards to maybe your heroes or something because of your of what happened in the 90s? Uh, meeting George Martin. We were talking about this earlier on. Just we were down in a studio in, in in our studios, you know, and the Beatles were always just, you know, being from Liverpool, it was just the, the thing. And we were in this studio and it was Tim's birthday actually. And no. um, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so but um but yeah, so George Martin came in and we said, It's Tim's birthday, and he said, Pardon. And we said, It's Tim's birthday, and he said, Pardon, because he was having trouble. Um but yeah, it was that was that was just the best thing. That was just So like, were you oh recording God. in Abbey Road? Uh, no, it wasn't Abbey Road, it was Air Studios, oh, which, Air studios. which George Martin owned. Bell's yeah. Nice Park. Yeah. Uh top of Haverstock, yeah, yeah Belsize Park, yes. one, yeah, between yeah. Belsize Park and Hampstead, yeah, stunning, absolutely stunning amazing. place. Yeah, so absolutely you were working amazing. there, were you? yeah, we record. Well, I forget what we were recording there, but we were recording something there. Uh, probably the last album we were doing there, but yeah, yeah, it's a fabulous place. So yeah. George came in to say hello. He's was, super special. Well, yeah, was, was uh, and, G- and Giles, his son. Have you met Giles? I haven't met Giles. No, he's no. got a bit of George going really? on. He's got it. Yeah, because he's remastered all the Beatles. Yeah, stuff, of course he is. Yeah, oh yeah. my goodness, the, um, did the whole love thing. So yeah. you back, back, back. You're gonna, mm. you're gonna play live again. I mean, yeah. you're playing live now, but you got, you're going on tour. You have got mm. a little mini tour uh, taking place. Um, ha- yeah. How's, how's match fitness? Uh, it's it's actually okay. It's yeah. surprisingly okay considering you know twenty five years on. Right. Bit, some of us a little bit weightier, but it's actually yeah, it's actually good. It's and you know it's it's so it's so different now doing it at the age you're at. You know, a bit more mature and actually 
getting the fun out of the whole thing. You know, you kind of tend to take things a little bit more seriously when you're in your 20s and losing that has been an absolute godsend, you know. It's interesting, isn't it? Because there's that whole thing about, you know, you've got to remember to show up for your own life. Absolutely. And in the 90s, we thought we were, but we sort of weren't. Yeah, yeah. We were having having all the fun. Uh Uh-huh. But maybe not the right fun sometimes. The eye was always on something else, it, I think. That so was part right. of the problem. So the eye was right. always kind of not on the moment, but kind of like, well, can we do bigger venues? Can we sell more of this? Can so we do this? Exciting, with, you wasn't know, it? And, and yeah, it was. It was. But, you know, actually now being able to, you know, be present and be in the moment and enjoy what's actually happening now is, is you know, and I think that comes with maturity. Tell us about psychology. Come on, give us a little, give, uh, give us a, a minute life hack on it. <sighs> A minute life hack on psychology. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I retrained as um, what's called a counselling psychologist. So we look from three therapeutic uh, views. So one's the Freudian unconscious, one's the kind of self-actualizing view, and the other's the CBT view, which is about how thoughts affect ourselves. So yeah. I think there's a lot there. But if, if I was going to give you a life hack, I would say uh, learn to accept things as they are, not how you want them to be. Yeah, and, and, and uh, maybe acceptance over understanding sometimes? Understanding is really important. Right. Understanding why we're experiencing what we're experiencing right. individually, uh, emotionally is really, really good. There's a lot of focus on thoughts at the moment, but I think emo- understanding what's going on for us emotionally is very, very important. So, um, yeah, you know, that that's really, really good. If, it was, if we're going to recommend um, psychology or therapy in any way, it's that kind of thing, understanding our own emotional reaction. Thank you, Doctor. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, come on, let's uh, give this up another shout-out, shall we? Uh, keeping on with Falling. Heard it last night. It is joyous. Lots of love in there, lots of relationships. Nice. Still around about the good stuff, yeah. which is awesome. Uh, keep on with Falling. The new single is out now. The album's out Friday 11th of March, and they're going on tour, the booradleysair.com. Let's have a look at the dates here. Here we go. So Saturday, the 16th of April, Preston. Sunday, Liverpool, 17th. This is all April. Monday, the 18th, Kingston. Uh, Wednesday the 20th Cambridge Thursday the 21st Bedford and Friday the 22nd Portsmouth well done congratulations nice to have you back thank you it's lovely thanks for having us the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio if qualified and interesting debate tickles your political fancy then look no further she's joining Times Radio to present the Friday afternoon show from this Friday so please welcome someone that knows a thing or two about fighting her corner it's Ruth Davidson good morning Ruth good morning to you Chris Vassal Sophia, how are you doing all? Very well, we're very well. Uh, welcome aboard, how does it feel? It feels great. It feels great to be back on the radio because it's what I used to do for a job before I was a politician. Yeah, so no, it's going to be good fun. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, I started out as a, as a newsreader in my local radio station and then kind of went to regional and then national and did the BBC for a bit. And uh, yeah, I used to do news and current affairs. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be nice to be back behind the mic. Right, so Sophia's here with us. Sophia's 27 years younger, bright Morning, young Ruth. thing. Oh, you child. I mean, <laughs> I you know, know. fantastic, but you absolute child, yeah. All right, so from your last bulletin on the radio to becoming uh, the leader uh-huh. of the Scottish Tory party, how many years? Uh, oh, right. Ish. Just show. ish, ish, ish. About a year and a half, maybe? A year and a half. So before you're 30, yeah. you could be leading the Tory party, oh, Sophia. That's quite a statement. <laughs> or, or any other party you, you so choose. If my dad's listening, he'll be going, no. Not the Tory party, OK. <laughs> uh, Ruth, you know, I've always liked I was you. Thir- I was 32, so you can, you can beat that if you okay, want to. OK, cool. Uh, yeah. OK, it's, it's on the horizon. So, Ruth, I've always yeah. liked you, but I like you even more now, having read about you in research, research and readiness for this interview. So, um, you, you, you know, they say, don't they, there's no such thing as an overnight success, but your your rise to uh, political prominence was p- pretty meteoric, wasn't it? Yeah, so because I was doing news and current affairs radio, I was really kind of on the not just being impartial, but being seen to be impartial. So I, I hadn't joined any political party, although I always knew who I supported and who I voted for. Um, but, but yeah, so I joined the Tories on the day I put in my voluntary redundancy from the BBC. Um, and then I got a, I had a couple of elections where I didn't get elected because it's quite hard, or it was at that time, to get elected as a Tory in Scotland. And then when I when I did get elected, um, on my first day in Parliament, my leader resigned uh, and through like a complex set of stuff that happened, uh, ended up throwing my hat in the ring and became leader within six months of becoming a politician, which, yeah, it was was it's not the usual route let's put it that way no it's extraordinary is what it is so from first day in parliament to six months later leading your party and then becoming one of the most popular politicians in uk current modern uk history and then also reforming uh, you know uh, and um, presiding over a revolution in 
Tory politics north of the border? Oh, yeah, we, I mean, we had a good few years there. We're, we're still doing well. A new leader, I mean, it's not that I'm a competitive person, but he did just put on 100,000 votes even from my high point. So I've got the voodoo doll of him in the house, you know, sticking pins in it. But um, but no, no, I'm, I, I, we, we, a lot changed. I mean, it's been a really busy political calendar. The Scottish uh, independence referendum was in there. Brexit was in there. So there's been really big issues as well as just elections as well. So um, it was a great job. Uh, loved it absolute privilege to do it but it takes a lot out of you and then at the time at which I left I think it was probably right for me to go and and not many people get to walk away they don't get to choose the time that they leave and that's quite unusual so yeah. yeah, unusual, extraordinary again, you know, to, to, to rise that quickly and to be so successful and genuinely so popular cross-party and then say, no, that, this, this, that was fun, but it's not for me. Well, it's, it's not that it was, it was fun, but not for me, but I'd, I'd done it for the longest that anyone had ever done that job. Um, really? I'd done it to a, a better electoral return than anyone before me. Um, it, it has an attritional rate on you, like it affects you and your family yeah. and... and your friends and what you get to be part of. I just had a child. I think it was the first uh, leader to have a child in office themselves. Lots of men had had their wives had children, but yeah. um, you know, and and that that changed how I could do the job. And and I, I thought I'd done it for as long as I could, as well as I could. Um, and I wasn't doing it as well as I used to be able to do it. And the choice is: do you do something less well that you can really care about, uh, or do you choose to to walk away? Um, so so yeah. So I chose to to finish my term of office and finish in Parliament, and then I I left in May last year. No, I get it completely. I just think you know um, your gain, clearly your gain and your loved one's gain, is is politics loss. You know, not just Scottish politics, but UK politics. Yeah, I mean, I think you know I. I I got quite a lot of hassle at the time of this is a terrible example to set, to say that you can't have kids and the job and all the rest of it. I was kind of like, whoa, 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 hold on. <laughs> uh, I am still doing a more than full-time job being an MSP and, you know, still being a full-time politician and my work, my wife works full-time and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but um, doing that and being a party leader and being a young mum and having uh, being a carer for some other people within my life at the, at the other end of the age spectrum and trying to do all the rest of it, there, there is a point at which you have to decide you know how you can put all of the efforts that you have and and sometimes something has to give um and, and also I, th- I think it was the right time to walk away i think and and the results have proven it you know the p- party's gone on to continue to have the same number of msps in parliament like i say they found a hundred thousand new voters uh in, in just there the new leader is a really energetic young lad to uh i say that he's you know he's, he's he's older than i was when i started but i think of him as young uh, and he's able to put a level of, of effort and uh, sort of um, energy into it that that I had at the beginning and, and sort of dwindled over time. So, you know, absolutely no pain or foul on that front. Uh, before you go, how much of it was a hell yeah when Times Radio asked you the question or did they have to knock on your door a few times? No, so I, I, did, a, I did a depping job um, last summer so mariella frostroff was up for a week and they said look do you want to come in for a week and have a play on the radio you haven't done it in ages but like we've got a really good producer who'll make sure you don't fall off air because that was a big fear having not done it for like 12 years or something uh and you know i i, I really wanted to do it um i was a little bit nervous because mariella is so cultural uh and i feel like a philistine um but we had such good fun <laughs> and I, I really got the bug back and You'll know this yourself. Um, there is something about radio that is so much more immediate and personal and intimate than television. Yeah. And I did a wee bit of telly I, when I started in radio. I, I spent ages wanting to get into telly, did a bit of telly, and then immediately wanted to get back to radio because it wasn't as much fun and it, it wasn't the same relationship with the audience. And I just loved it. I just absolutely loved it. And I just, you know, sometimes you get to do something for you. I'm doing this for, for me because I want to do this. And it's, it's really nice to be able to say that after so long. Okay, before you go, Rishi or Boris? Um, sorry, the line's breaking up. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh... Got it. Don't blame me. What's the point in going there? Ruth Davidson's brand new Weekly Times radio show begins this Friday, the 18th of Feb. Putting the fab in Feb over on Times Radio 1 till 4. Listen on DAB online via the Times Radio app and smart speakers. Ruth Davidson coming to Times Radio from this Friday. 
The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. For many people, the pitter-patter of tiny feet can take a while to hear, and our next guests are here to tell you that's okay. Their book, Big Fat Negative, The Essential Guide to Infertility, IVF, and the Trials of Trying for a Baby is out now. So please give a standing ovulation for Emma Haslett <laughs> and Gabriella <laughs> Griffiths. Oh, no. Dave, that was very good. Oh, standing very ovulation. Cool. You did warn us. Hello, Emma. Hello, Gabby. <laughs> well done. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having us. What a book. Thanks. What a book. The podcast is off the charts anyway. Oh. Uh, but now we can uh, we, we have the book in front of us. Big Fat Negative, The Essential Guide to Infertility, IVF, and The Trials of Trying for a Baby. It's a very, very big subject. It's very heavy, but the book is written with such levity, such instruction, such qualification. It's a book that you could get horribly wrong. How did you make sure you got it bang on right? Uh, we, we listened to people <laughs> telling us when we were getting things wrong, I guess. I think, um, you know, when we started a podcast, we've, we had a certain tone. We like to make it as light as possible and laugh at the, frankly, rubbish things that were happening to us uh, regularly. And it, that just made everything lighter and a bit easier. And, you know, we heard from people that they appreciated that they... We made them smile for the first time in a long time. So I think we just tried to capture that in the book as well. Yeah, awesome. So your podcast is 100 episodes plus, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and ongoing. Who are the heroes of that? Who are the heroes that you met? And who are the heroes that we meet by the book? Um so some of the heroes that we've met are really, the, for me, it's the scientists. It's the guys that are helping those of us who can't have kids to have them. Like we had an embryologist on this week who just, I could honestly talk to them for hours and hours. They're just absolutely fascinating. Yeah, we've had um, people that have been through 15 rounds of IVF, people that, you know, the guys that are willing to talk to us about it because guys don't really talk about these things so it's nice to have them on as well I think there's so many heroes like some of them are well known some of them not well known I think um, you know we've tried to Try to tell as many stories as possible, and you know there are lots of them out there. That's so, the thing. Tasha and I were talking about it last night about about your book, and we were reading uh, excerpts of it to each other, and then we were recounting our journey. Three of our children are the results of IVF. Mm. <laughs> right, Chris. Oh, Chris. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> and um, we were recounting uh, the, the the roller coaster of emotions. Mm. You know, we we'd forgotten. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, goodness me but you made us laugh so much oh my goodness me with your myth busting it's a it's a hard hard traumatic thing but there are moments of hilarity within it that we managed to find like things like you know you rock up to an internal scan and you're wearing a jumpsuit so suddenly you're lying there naked you know things like this so you're like you have to laugh about it because if you don't laugh you're gonna cry you do you do um you know, and it's a fine line. Um, uh, the two are not mutually exclusive. Let's get on to some myth busting because there's much hilarity be, to be had here. I mean, you <laughs> oh go, you go in at the deep end. Come on, <laughs> myth busting. Legs in the air like you just don't care. The myth lying with your legs up against the wall will help you to get pregnant quicker. True or false, Emma or Gabby? Um, take your pick. False. And why? Because I don't know what language I can use <laughs> here, Chris. You can say but the way a lady is organised. Yes, yes, yes. Good. Um, nicely, means- <laughs> nicely couched. <laughs> <laughs> means that you don't need to lie up against the wall. You can just lie flat. But uh, you should stay lying down maybe for a bit. Yeah, and you go into a little further detail. Um, mm-hmm. uh, again, again, medically, beautifully, poetically framed as to, as to why that is the case. Um, then there are long lists in here as well. I mean, we'll get a bit more serious in a moment or two, but for, for our own sake, let's just let's just uh, stay in the shallow end for a while. Um, quick caffeine, drink. These, these are myths or not myths, uh, but these are the kind of lists you're confronted by when you're trying ever so hard to, to fall pregnant. Uh, quick caffeine, um, uh, drink pomegranate juice. Stop using nail vinyl. Stop being stressed. Drink raspberry leaf tea. This is my favourite. Stop exercising. Start exercising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the list goes on. Uh, what do you want to pick from these? Particular- I mean, stop being stressed is a really great one because, like, I don't know yeah, if you've yeah. ever tried stopping yeah. being stressed, but yeah. it's really, really, really hard. Yeah. Um, Especially if somebody says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just relax now. Just relax. Um, yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's definitely the one that you're always confronted with if you're trying for a baby. Everyone goes. I just think you need to relax, mm-hmm. and you just go. I. I can't do that. But if you look at the studies, you really, it's, it's not, it hasn't been proven that stress has a link with infertility. You know, which is, you know, interesting. I find that quite surprising. Mm. Uh, But again, you know, all the science is in this book, uh, as well as the levity. How, pray tell Gabby, is the the framing of um, trying to fall pregnant or the conversation around um, trying to fall pregnant and the different challenges, how might that be similar to Brexit? To Brexit? Yeah. Um, 
Do you remember it? <laughs> no, gosh, I not remember my own book. No, you compare you compare this to Brexit, which I found hilarious. It's unfortunate that you don't remember. It. <laughs> Anyway, it doesn't matter. We can move on. <laughs> but what do we say? Um, well, it's uh, you say things. Uh, you say here we go. Frame of reference. Another reason friends and family have trouble em- emphasizing uh, oh, with your struggle is that although we might that's insist, Emma. we that's are not my generous souls. Well, yeah, because you have yep. you have different different frames of reference, right? right? So you know, if you've you've if you're trying for a baby, yes. you're sitting there yes. googling things at three o'clock in the morning, Got it. and you're like uncle who also voted Brexit has not done that so you're both like in different places and it's hard to come together the framing is so 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 important isn't it anything else you'd like to say before we say goodbye um well thank you for having us Chris it's so nice it's been like a book club in here today it's been really nice. It often is, to be honest, <laughs> but without the wine. What's That's wrong with us, for heaven's sake? <laughs> yeah. Why didn't we think of wine? We've got, the cho- we've got some leftover chocolates from Valentine's Day. <laughs> we've got the lipstick on at 10am, surely we've got the wine as well. Um, I think... I think the message is, look, infertility makes you feel like you're alone, but you're not. And that's what we're trying to to solve with this book. And also, if you're going through treatment, it's a steep learning curve. So what we've tried to do is pack the book full of information that you might need along the way. Well done for getting it right. Because as I say, it's a a tightrope, isn't it? That's very kind. I'm glad. glad It's a high wire act. Thank you, Chris. Okay, Big Fat Negative is the book. Uh, the Essential Guide to Infertility, IVF and Trials of Trying of the Trials of Trying for a Baby by Emma and Gabby, who are with us today, Miss Hazlitt and Miss Griffith, uh, with the Mr. Hazlitt's and uh, Mr. Griffith in the background, of course, and the little <laughs> baby ones now, thank heaven. And the podcast is of uh, the same name, BFN, Big Fat Negative. Uh, get on board with this story, with this journey, with all this beautiful um, instruction, information, enlightenment. Um, all with a soupçon of levity and uh, giggles aloud. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.